Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. And the people you're around, are you an encouragement to them? Are you building them up? That's the word of God. That's what Jesus did. People love to be around Jesus. He challenged him, but he encouraged him. He loved him. He ministered to them. They loved him. Do people love to be around you? Or when you're walking on the street and this person's walking this way, they see you come and they go, let's go to the other side of the street quickly, quickly. They drive me crazy. They complain. They gripe. Nothing's ever right. <laughs> It's interesting that the religious leaders called Jesus a friend of tax collectors and sinners, which was meant as an insult. Jesus didn't take it that way, though, because he truly loved those tax collectors and sinners. They felt comfortable around him, even though he did speak to them about their sinful lifestyles. Pastor Mark in his teaching challenges us to ask ourselves whether we are the kind of person others want to be around. If we call ourselves followers of Christ... We need to become the type of people others not only like to be around, but want to be around. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 3 of his message. Living or dying, we win. at our world today as if the world is the problem with the church. And the world is our problem. Taking prayer out of the schools, pray in Jesus' name in some places, they fire you. Who knows what's going to happen with the homosexual agenda, whatever. I can even say it anymore. That is a problem. But the problem in Christianity in the United States is not our governments. The problem is in the church. Now, why do I say that? Let me tell you why, in a kind way. The divorce rate in the world is the same as the divorce rate in the church. How can that be? Can I say to people, hey, follow me. Well, how's your marriage? Well, I've been divorced four times. That's not a laugh. That's sad. Now, for those of you divorced, I'm not talking about condemning you. What I'm saying is, what happened? What is happening? Couples come to me for premarital counseling. How are you doing sexually? Well, we stopped sleeping together now because we knew we were going to meet with you. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Is that the right answer? It has nothing to do with me. Does the Bible say anything about sleeping together before we're married? Yes, it does. Is it clear? Crystal. Are they sinning against me in the church? No against God. So see, we have to get our lives right so that when people look at it, they go, oh, that's what a Christ follower is. Cool. That's what I want. 
That's the day that we turn our world upside down. Now, we'll never be perfect, but we can do a lot better in a lot of areas. How do we do that? We keep focused. And then we reach out and we're bold and we take risks for Jesus Christ. Wear it proudly and follow Jesus Christ. Now, verse 22 says, If I go on living in the body, this will mean, look at this word, fruitful labor for me. Why does Paul put that in there? He says, if I'm going to live today, I'm going to be working and it's going to produce fruit. What does that mean? Well, that's God's potential for us. Write this down. Not only do we want to be bold and courageous, but we want to be fruitful and productive. John 15, 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So to bear fruit is to reach God's potential. Paul says, I'm not just going to sit here in prison and go, well, maybe today I'll live and tomorrow I'll be dead. I guess I won't do anything there. No, not at all. He says, I'm going to be here. If I'm going to be here, I'm reaching God's potential. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to be attached to Christ. And with that comes the ability to have the Spirit produce fruit through my life. Now, what did that fruit look like? Quickly, you don't need to write this down. We did this a few weeks ago. If I'm in Christ... If I have a vibrant relationship with Christ and Christ is the center of my life, I'll be producing fruit in my life. What will that look like? First one, godly character, fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. And then I'll be a bold witness. I'll be inviting people when we do the series on marriage. Hey, I heard you say to me yesterday at the water fountain, you're struggling in your marriage. You know what? Come on over to church for just three weeks. Listen to what God says. And God can change. There can be a miracle in your home. Well, Pastor Mike, that's going to be bold to do it. Exactly. Invite. That's what we're talking about. And then good works, of course. And giving. We'll see that at the end. And then praise. Praise from our lips. Paul wasn't going like, man, I don't know what I'm going to live or die. It's miserable. No, he's, he's, in, he's got joy there. Why? Because it comes from the Spirit. Now, look at verse 22 and 23 in context. If I go on, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Here's the dilemma again. What should I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. So he's trying to think about, of course, he knows he's not responsible for the final decision. He doesn't know when he's going to live or die. But he's trying to think about, whoa, what a... What do I do? And then he kind of, to share with us how he does it, he writes these next three verses. Watch what his thinking's like. Well, he said, I'd like to go to heaven because it's far better, but it's more necessary for you. Speaking about the church at Philippi that he was the pastor of in the past, he says, it's not about me. It's really about you. And notice, it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body, that I remain alive. Now, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. I'll be alive for a little while longer. And I will continue with all of you. I want you to circle two areas. This is the first one. For your progress, circle it, and for 
your joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. That brings us to number four. What's Paul saying? Number four, he's saying simply this. Keep others in focus. Giving is living. Paul is not focused on himself. He is not just thinking of himself in the prison cell. He's thinking of others. Now, why did he do that? Because he had been in the word. And when Jesus came, he didn't come to think of himself. He came for others. So Paul's thinking has been changed. You see, when we are thinking of ourselves most of the time, it isn't possessions that go in the circle. It isn't another person that goes in the circle. It isn't pride that goes in the circle. Oh, that's a little bit of it. It isn't my business that goes in the circle. It's me that goes in the circle. Because I begin to think about me. And if your life is focused thinking on you, let me tell you what kind of thinking that is. It's stinking thinking. <laughs> Paul's in prison. He says, you know, if I go on living, I mean, to be honest with you, he said, I'd rather go to heaven because it's better. But he said, if I go on living, it's not for me. It's so I can serve you. I can watch you progress. You see, Paul's thinking of the world around him. There's millions of people who haven't come to Christ yet. There's all these churches that he started he wanted to get back to. He wanted to minister to them. He wanted to encourage them. He wanted to keep them in the right doctrine. He wanted to see their progress, their discipleship. So he's thinking about that. By the way, he's in jail. He's in prison. Is there anybody in the prison that needs Paul? Anybody in the prison that needs Paul? All the guards. They haven't all come to Christ yet. So if I stay here, I can witness for Christ. And more guards can come to God. So he's all the time thinking, God, you enabled me to be here. Watch me. So I could influence people's lives for you. I want to ask you a question. Are you influencing lives for Christ? Are you a positive influence so that people are progressing in their walk with God. Notice he says, it's for your joy. Are you the kind of person that's an encourager? Look what Paul would write in Hebrews 3.13. You see it here. But encourage one another daily. Now, most of us don't know Greek. I don't know a lot about it, but I do know this. Let me give you the word in Greek language for daily. I'll spell it for you. Ready? D-A-I-L-Y. Pastor Mark, I'm supposed to encourage people how often? Well, how does that work? Well, I don't see any of these people except every three weeks or four weeks. Well, who do you see? Are you encouraging them? Are the people you're around? Are you an encouragement to them? Are you building them up? That's the word of God. That's what Jesus did. People loved to be around Jesus. He challenged him, but he encouraged him. He loved him. He ministered to them. They loved it. Do people love to be around you? Or when you're walking down the street and this person's walking this way, they see you coming, they go, let's go to the other side of the street quickly, quickly. <laughs> they drive me crazy. They complain. They gripe. Nothing's ever right. <laughs> Which one is you? 
By the way, if you see people scatter and you wonder why, hmm. <laughs> I just told you. Paul says, I have to keep focus on others. But encourage one another to do Now, why do I need to do that? As long as it's called today so that none of us may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, we get hurt. I need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged. And sometimes it's just a word from somebody going, it's going to be okay. God is with you. Keep your eyes on him. Man, don't drift. Don't stray. Just keep your eyes. I need people to do that in my life from time to time. You needed me to say that to you this morning. Be encouraged. God's that fixed, unmovable point. Paul would say this a lot of times. Listen, 1 Timothy 4.13. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. That's exactly what I'm doing here today. I'm encouraging you. I'm teaching the scriptures to you. And I'm trying to see that you will be focused on Jesus, on the word, on people, and not just yourself. And allow the word of God to minister to you. We need to stop thinking of ourselves and start thinking of others. I want you to write this down in the last part of this passage. Giving is living and living is giving. Don't be known as a taker. Be known as a giver. We have a lot of people that give to us in lots of ways. And uh, yesterday my wife baked all day long. She's a great biscotti maker and bread and all kinds of things. Man, we delivered it all over to lots of different people. In fact, I got a, something up here for one of the people here. You can't have it, sorry. But, you know, giving makes you feel good. It just makes you feel good. And I want to thank you because you're a church that's a giving church. You support people. You give your finances. You're in the parking lot today. Man, praise those parking lot guys. They're sweating like crazy out there. Hallelujah. Give them an old thumbs up, you know, when you're out there. Encourage them. And the kids' ministry, all of those people that just make that happen. All, all, when you see people, just thank them. Out in the cafeteria, in the cafeteria, all those people that are different places, they're serving, they're volunteers. They've learned that giving is living. I read this recently. It says, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. That's good. That's good. Now look at verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ... And to die is gain. In the original language, there's no verbs. It reads like this. For to me, to live, Christ. And to die, gain. Look at verse 23. Now I'm torn between the two. There's a dilemma. I desire to depart. Notice that isn't the end of the sentence. And be with Christ. Which is better by far. In the original language, it means this. Which is better, far, far better. Why does Paul say, why is this key there to depart and be with Christ? Because Christ was the center of his life. Everything in his life was about Christ. What was the only reason Paul was going to heaven? Christ. As we live in this life that's filled with trouble... We know we have the promise of heaven. 
You have the promise of heaven. That gives us hope. That gives us encouragement. Now, let me ask you a question, and I'll give you a little clue up front. When I get ready here in a moment, there's going to be a place for an amen. Let's see if you can find it. When you die, if you go to heaven, why are you going to heaven? One name. What's the name? Christ. One name. We forget that. Paul would have gone to hell. He had religion. He didn't have Christ. So he says, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Man, better, 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 but far, 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 far. Now, some of you have it wrong. You have to get the whole series on heaven. I don't have time. Some of you think, well, if I go to heaven, I'm going to be in that cloud again, singing and playing my violin to millions of years. That is not heaven. That would be like hell in heaven. (laughs) Get this series. I don't have time. But it is going to be about Christ. Because how would you get there any other way? No way. Paul says, I want to depart and be with Christ. Because he knew that's where he was. Now, when you and I get to heaven, you understand that heaven is far better. Basically because it's a real place. It's a perfect place. It's a dwelling place of God. When we get there, we have new bodies. Hallelujah. There'll be no sin, no suffering, no pain, no sorrow, no death. None of that. Uh, we were out eating last night after the service. And one of the guys that comes here in the Saturday night service, all day, he's like 6, 12 or something, whatever. <laughs> he's up there talking to me. He says, I've always wanted to talk to you about this. When you get to heaven, you said you're going to be 6, 11. He says, what am I going to be? I said, God's going to take you down to 5, 6. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he went, oh, turn around. Hey, I said, that's exactly right. (laughs) When we get to heaven, heaven is simply better. Say it with me this morning. Heaven is better. Heaven is better. It's better. But Paul wasn't like heaven. Can't wait to get heaven. He wasn't like that at all. Look at these verses. Psalm 31, 15 a couple of translations says this, my future is in your hands, my times are in your hand. What is Paul saying? He knew those verses. Is it his choice when he's dying? No. It's always God's choice. See, you were born, you didn't choose the day you were born, you didn't choose the family you were born in. The day you die, you don't choose. It's all in the hands of God. If you're a Christ follower this morning, your future is not in your hands. If you're a Christ follower this morning, your future is not in the government's hands. If you're a Christ follower this morning, your future is not in the doctor's hands. If you're a Christ follower this morning, your future is in your Creator's hands. And He does all things well. The minute... I'm through doing what he has for me to do. I'm gone. Same for you. And Paul says, when I live, I don't want to be ashamed. I want to live like a Christian. I don't want people looking at me and go, oh, yeah, you're one of those. You sleep around, you do this, you steal, you whatever, you call yourself a nice band. He said, I don't want to be one of those. And when I die, when I stand before God, I want to bring him fruit. I don't want to be ashamed and say everything I did down here didn't have any meaning. He said, but it's, it, it's really not up to me. 
although heaven is better. You see, what Paul was saying was this. While on earth, Christ was his life. Every day meeting with him, serving him, listening to him, being led by him, enjoying him. When he dies, be with Christ in heaven. You see, in life, Paul wins. When he dies, Paul wins. Either way, he can't lose. Lord, they're getting it, but it's a little slow. It's a little slow. I mean, where can you go that you win regardless? Definitely not to Vegas. You can only go to Jesus. Last thing I want you to write this morning is this. Christ makes life worth living and death better still. Someone has said this. No one is ready to live until they're ready to die. There's many of you here today. You're not ready to die. Because you're not living. So you can only live if Christ lives in you. He brings you life. You don't have the assurance of heaven. Eternal life is not found in religion. It's only found in one place. You have to be born again. You have to put Christ in the center of your life. You have to invite him into your life. Life equals Christ. I want to put up... 1 John chapter 5, and I want you to see a verse that will speak to all of us today. John says this, God has given us eternal life. In this life is in his Son. Now that's not politically correct today, but it's biblically 100% correct. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And then he goes on and he says this, whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. One day, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find my mom and dad. They're there. And I'm going to thank them for introducing me to Christ and to the Word of God. That's why I'm going to be in heaven, because my parents introduced me to him. And I hope one day that you'll find me and say, Pastor Mark, thanks. Because you introduced me to Christ. Oh, it's not about me. Because a lot of other people had a lot of things to do in your life. Really, it all goes back to who? Christ. Because if he hadn't died, none of us would be there anyway. And I think about this often. If I could go down the rows of this church and look you in the eye, I honestly would say this. Will I see you in heaven? That's why I do this. That's why Christ went to the cross. And at the moment, there's many of you in all of our campuses I won't ever see. The reason? He who has the Son has life. He who doesn't have the Son doesn't have a chance at life. I want you to change that today. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the importance of reaching out to our unsaved friends. We were reminded that Jesus spent a lot of time with those who were not his followers. He was comfortable with them because even though he was God, he didn't act superior to them. He befriended them, and because of that, they were open to what he had to say to them. We 
know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This concludes the teaching, Living or Die, We Win. We hope this has given you a new perspective on not just living for Christ, but dying for Him. Next time, we'll begin a new message, Stand Firm and Stand United. We'll be encouraged to join together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and to work collectively to show God's love to the world around us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.